0: Powered by GoGoat Sports, in partnership with TSN, it is episode 51 of the Rain Brakes Hockey Podcast, presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. Exciting podcast today. We've got NHL player agent and a strong advocate for the LGBTQ plus community. Bain Pettinger is going to join us to talk about the goings-on, right, as teams continue to celebrate and do their work around the various pride nights around the National Hockey League, including those who opt out. So we'll get Bain Pettinger's take on all of that coming up. Headlines, Ray, right? I mean, we can go any different direction today, man. We've got so many battles, especially in the Eastern Conference. A handful right. of teams have locked down their playoff spots, but we promised last week that we'd dive into that. So that's what we'll do. You've got Boston, you've got Toronto, you've got Carolina, New Jersey. The Rangers have all clinched. The Tampa Bay Lightning are right on the cusp. So that'll be six teams, which then leaves the wild card battle and right. looks like the Islanders are in good shape, right? To, to hold down that seven spot. We'll see. There's still some hockey left. Then you look at Pittsburgh, Florida, Buffalo, and Ottawa. So for you, is it a two horse race between Pittsburgh and Florida, or do you still have Buffalo and Ottawa? I mean, mathematically they're in the mix. Do you see them being in the mix with eight, nine games left, depending on who you talked
1: to? Uh, Sort of kind of, I think the the wild cards are the Islanders in Pittsburgh. Okay. Uh, I did the the game Saturday night in Pittsburgh and for a period and a half, the Penguins looked awesome. It was a really exciting, fast zero, zero game. Lots of chances. Casey, the Smith was in goal and was outstanding. Then Pittsburgh gets two goals from Ryan Paling and Chad Ruedel. Ruweedle hadn't scored since last year. And then Gensel scores early in the third. And it's like, oh, this is like, this is like what the Penguins should look like. And then they gave it all away. Then it's 3-3. So they're all over the map that they went on a beautiful goal from Malkin. Great goal. But the the reason I bring this up is they're on the cusp, like the Capitals now who are going to fall, you know, are going to miss the playoffs. They're on the cusp of the ball turning over in Pittsburgh a little bit here they're just not as good as they used to be it's it's starting to happen in tampa you can see the the lightning are just not the team that they were you know last year certainly 3 years ago they just aren't time and the salary cap gets everybody but i i think the islanders and the the penguins are going to be the wild cards the the other race is going to be whether the devils can catch carolina or not um, i don't think so i think carolina will win that division and you know, the, the Atlantic division's, you know, set and stalled. Central
0: revision is just bonkers right now, right? You got Minnesota, Colorado, Dallas all within three points of one another. And we'll go there in a second, but take us into the Pacific where, you know, the LA Kings have done so much good of late for an extended period. I mean, they're coming off a perfect week. Victor Arvidsson, you know, terrific fit with the Los Angeles Kings, first star of the week in the National Hockey League. They're two back of Vegas. And that's the problem for the LA Kings. Not a problem, it's just the reality. I mean, LA's on a bit of a heater. They've won three, but there's the Golden Knights who have won four in a row. So try and make sense of what might happen out of that division or maybe even across the
1: conference. Well, I, you know, the the Kings now, they're and they're 2 since, uh, you know, on this latest stretch that they're on. Up until that bonkers game against St. Louis that they won 7-6, in the 11 previous straights, they had not. They've not given up more than two goals in a game. And when I think of the Kings, I'm like, that's when they're at their best. Even though they they can score now. Like they they've got a team that can put some goals on the board, but they're better they, they have a better look when they're when they're more responsible, I'll say, but also when their goaltending's better. Corpusalo hasn't lost since he's come over in his, you know, he's four oh and one since he's been acquired from Columbus copley got the win the other night and he gave up six so that you know that's that's not that's going to be a decision they've got for la but they can they can score there well i just looked up here 15 2 and 3 since the all-star break i mean that's that's great stuff and it's put them in a position to challenge vegas and vegas is interesting because they don't score a lot they're the only team in nhl history to win four straight games with four different goals like how does that even happen i know you know ridiculous and now so tonight I'm in Vegas and for the Oilers here. And I, I think, well, I don't know, I think it's going to be Bressois in goal again, <laughs> but it's either Bressois or Quick. And so, you know, Brassois was hurt at the start of the year. Quick wasn't here. These are their two goalies. Like what a crazy yeah. thing. They don't have a scorer in the top 50 points in the league. And yeah. yet they got not one, they got 95, 96, po- no, 98 points. So they're, those two teams are going to, They'll go right to the wire. They've got a game against each other in a in a week or so, but Edmonton's the one sitting there and they're like, if you're the Oilers, you know, you can impact who you play by how you play. Like they play Vegas yeah. tonight. They play LA next week. So it's, the Oilers are going to get whichever one doesn't win the division and it's not going to be easy.
0: You know, speaking of the Oilers, I mean, you've got Leon Reisaitl, who's closing in on another 50 goal season. But talk about two players who are absolutely on a roll, right? Oh, David Pasternak of the Boston Bruins. Yeah, yeah, just chips in 50. Why wouldn't he? Now, fresh off the contract extension, he's highly motivated as he has been all year. And Matt Boldy, what month he's had in the month of March and March isn't over yet. So this guy is, he's just pouring the puck in the net by his standards.
1: Yeah, I will. uh, I'll start with Pasternak, one of my, one of my most favorite players and personalities in the league I just I love the yeah. way he always seems to just show his love for the game he's just he's got this vibe about him he's he's tough he like tough in the sense that he'll go and find a puck that other players won't get to and he scores in tight he scores from distance he's got great skill amazing Indeed. player to watch first Boston Bruin in 29 years 28 years to to score 50 goals cam Neely was the last one. In ninety three, ninety four, you think they would have had somebody between then and now? Yeah, but yeah. Pasternak gets to fifty now. Matt Boldy's, you know, his hot streak came at a amazing time for the Wild. Without Kirill Kaprizov, their star, he's got thirteen goals in or thirteen games, twelve goals in the month of March. And had Matt Boldy described to me as a little bit like Miko Rantanen. Rantanen's going to get fifty goals this year too. These guys, they're both big really big, really good hands and they can both really shoot so boldy got his second hat trick in the month yesterday at the wilder rolling along there and so they're what are they 15-1 and 4 in their last 20 15 at 1 and 4 It's unreal and man Dean Evison is he runs those guys in like a in a way that is emotional yet mostly controlled like they don't take a lot of bad penalty they get off the track a little bit but Dean's yeah. an emotional guy. They play in an extension, I think, of of his personality. And um, in a crazy division, they're uh, they're on a, not like a, an incredible stretch.
0: All right, let's wrap up headlines with a fun one. I'm sure you saw the Pizzetta shootout Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, Michael is probably not known for his hands in terms of, of scoring prowess. Who's kidding who? Right. Sits on the bench through half the third period and overtime watches the shootout go five rounds, tapped on the shoulder. All right, get it done. He gets it done. And then vintage homage to Tiger Williams. He rides his stick in celebration. What a terrific sequence for a pretty well-liked teammate, I would think, in Montreal. Well,
1: I I I watched it this morning, actually, as I was going through the highlights. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like <laughs> it, It's just like it's so it was so unexpected when he turned the corner after he scored. He made a nice shot, by the way, beautiful really, shot, really nice shot. And so we had some fun with it. I I think it's awesome. How about the other day, Jake DeBrusque scores in the shootout, and right before he goes to shoot, he turns to the bench, gives him a wink, and says, "You know, that he had something up his sleeve." And he scored. I look, I I've come around a long way on this. I I love the personality of. The, we've talked about three players now. So DeBrusque <laughs> winking before a shootout, Pizzetta riding the stick like. Tiger Williams and Pasternak with all kinds of flair. I, I think it's great stuff. I just I just love it. I love watching it. And for Pozzetta, that had to be really fun. Oh, perfect way to wrap the headlines. And a reminder,
0: our interviews on Rain Rigs this year, brought to you by Canadian Club Whiskey, who are asking, are you over beer? Try a refreshing CC ginger ale. Toss in a lime next time you're having
1: a drink or you're watching a game. Hi, it's Ray Ferraro. You've probably heard me talking about my friends at North Beach Agency and Craft Growth. They provide customized marketing solutions tailored to help grow businesses of all sizes. From results-driven marketing across TV, radio, and podcasts to websites, digital, social, out of home, and everything in between, they have the proven expertise to get the measurable results you need to get your business growing. You can visit craftgrowth.net and book your free business growth consultation now. That's craftgrowth.net net
0: all right thrilled to be joined on the rain Rigs hockey podcast by bane pettinger who is a well-known nhl player agent also strong advocate for the lgbtq plus community and pretty obviously bayer we're, we're having you on the podcast to talk about things that you've talked about a fair bit um, over the course of this regular season. And and, and, and it's the players voluntarily opting out, or I use the word boycotting, their club's pride nights. And, you know, I remember going back to January when Ivan Provorov at the time, the Philadelphia Flyers, decided that he was not going to participate. And you spoke openly and candidly, about it, talking about your level of disappointment. Okay, well, that was in January, and now we've had James Reimer, and we've had the Stahl brothers take their position, and more recently, Labushkin with the Buffalo Sabres, you know, citing concern over family and friends in Russia, their physical well-being if he didn't take his position. So where do you stand now based on where you were in January and the fact that we keep seeing this in the NHL?
2: You know what? I still stand that I think it's disappointing, and we've gotten away from what Pride Nights are all about right they're, frankly they're not really about the players they're about the community that's coming to watch the game and the fans of whether it's the philadelphia flyers or whichever for one night to if they can relate to that rainbow or you know some in-game entertainment or whichever and we're drawing in more people of the queer community to hockey yeah. instead of pushing them away i think that's only good for everyone i respect everyone's you know free choice whether it's religion or you know ethics whatever you you know russian fears but you know i as Berkey said there in a statement, I, I don't really understand it, but obviously I'm from my side, but everyone's entitled to an opinion. And and I just see, you know, I think we've gotten away from, you know, we're talking about five players of 700. Yeah. When, eh. You know, not talking about Jamie Benn that, you know, made a statement, Connor McDavid, Matthew Kachuk. I've got a pride jersey right here of, of Sidney Crosby signed. That's a good friend, you know? So we're we're letting the 5%, if even smaller than that, really get the squeaky wheel. And like, we're not going to, we're not looking to change people. We're not going to, but whether you're picking where you want to go for dinner at night or whatever, you're going to have people that don't disagree or don't agree. That's fine. But I just want to make sure that we continue to, to highlight the good things that are going on in the game. And, you know, the Scott Lawtons and the JVRs that hosted 50 queer youth that night and really made an impact. But yet we're talking about, you know, the one outlier. And I think that's where we've kind of shifted away.
1: So by talking about the outlier, do you feel it hurts the impact of the night or do you think it just makes it dissipate a little bit? Because in in my opinion, you can start, people start losing focus about just what you said, which is what exactly the nights and the support are about. It's, it gets dissipated. And I'd love to see a way of, can the league help, can the groups that are supporting this help focus the message as opposed to letting this dissipate it out?
2: Yeah, I think it's a little chip away at it, right? But, I mean, from Proveroff, you know, we're going to see more here. I think there's a couple more Pride Nights coming up. You know, some teams, you know, the Leafs have theirs coming up, and I know they're not. They traditionally haven't worn jerseys, so that's, you know, same with the same with the Oilers. But yeah. even in the interviews with the Oilers leading up, Zach Hyman was very vocal. Connor McDavid was very vocal, you know, but we're not seeing those interviews. So it's, you know, we're kind of focusing on the negative, which I think is human yeah. nature. You can get a million compliments and, Hey, yeah, great job here. Great job there. You hear one, you know, one Twitter troll or one person goes at you, or one person speaks up and says, "I'm not wearing the Pride jersey." And human nature goes, "Well, let's focus on that because everyone's saying I'm on board that doesn't that doesn't click bait and headline. So, yeah, it takes away from it a bit. But I'm always a glass half full type guy. I'm like, "Hey, you know what? There are some great things going on in this community. You know, I've just got a, you know, with Brock McGillis, a not-for-profit called Alphabet Sports Collective that Ray, you're a part of. Yeah. You know, which is really about empowering the queer community and, and saying, yes, you do belong here. So, you know, they can have their voices and opinions and use their, you know, whatever they want to say to not wear the Jersey, but we're here and we're going to keep pushing for inclusivity and, and diversity. And if I need to be the face of that, then I'm happy to do so because there's a lot of people that don't want to step up. And when they see that their favorite team or such a little gesture of wearing a Jersey, they just, they sit back a bit deeper in their chair. And yeah. you while know, I was in that, I was in those shoes. I've only been out two and a half years, right? <laughs> so it's like I'm, I'm an expert in this, but I know what it's like to be closeted and be around professional sports and hear language. And, you know, I could only imagine that, you know, I had a great coming out process, but I could only imagine if I was still in the closet and you're seeing this player's not okay with it. Now there's essentially a boycott. Now, yeah. you no, know, and, and, you know, I've got over that hump of speaking my truth and I'm, I'm fine to speak on it. That's why I'm here today. But, you know, if there was someone that is, is contemplating coming out and is hockey a safe space for them? Again, we go to that five percent negative instead of the, yeah, you know, like I saw Daryl Sutter even said, great jerseys in Calgary, we'd welcome an openly gay teammate, everyone's on board, but that's not getting the headlines. And and that's where I feel we need to kind of shift a bit.
0: Yeah, and, and look, it's important to note too, and you bring up Brock and Gillis, you know, you guys are open, right? You're you're willing to help educate if the education is is needed and is wanted. I mean, recently we saw Brock visit with the Chicago Blackhawks, right? And and just tell his truths and answer the questions and things like that. That I would think being that that has to be an important part of your initiative, here, movie.
2: Yeah, it is, and and that's what it's all. That's how Alphabet Sports Collective came to be. When I was you know pondering speaking my truth two and a half years ago, I literally googled gay hockey players, and Brock McGillis came up. I talked to him for an hour and a half. You know, my my article came out in the Athletic with Pierre there. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's coincidence, you know, six weeks later, I get a message from Luke Procrop's representation saying, hey, saw your article. So the yeah. humanization factor of, okay, it actually is okay, you know, and, and and the reassurance that, you know, I can be successful in hockey. So now we have, you know, so now we have an ex-player, Brock, we have a drafted player in Luke Procrop, we have an yeah. NHL agent in me. And not that we're trying to form an army or anything, but like people are out there that are successful in the game that are openly gay. And we're, we're just trying to push that you know, because I, I feel like hockey and sports specifically are just behind society a bit. You know, if I, if I worked at RBC across the street or whatever, I, I wouldn't have to speak on this because society is, you know, Hey, it's all good. But for some reason, hockey, we see, we see these steps forward and then one step steps forward, one mm-hmm. step. And I think, you know, it's just having these open conversations, humanization. You know, I speak to, to OHL teams and junior teams here in Ontario. I'll go in, whether it's the Kitchener Rangers or or Ottawa 67s and just tell my story and humanize and educate and and say, you know, I was with Team Canada for 10 years and just kind of put a face to it because I think that's, that's important or else we can do all the online checkbox training seminars we want. But unless you, unless you really pull on, not the heartstrings, but humanize it and educate, then I don't think we're going to see progressive change.
1: It's, uh, I'm I'm always curious about the frustration of the pace of change. So, you know i can think back to when i started playing bane and you know that was in 19 1984 and you know through family members and extended family members who live in the community and time like it just seems so ludicrous that this would even still be an issue to some like like who cares who somebody sleeps with i really i really i really don't quite understand yeah. it anymore and yet i come from a time when an openly gay player would just not even have been a thought. Like there was zero chance that could have been in the eighties and there was lots of reasons for it, but that's what it is yet. That's 40 years and it's so slow. Does it feel slow? Does it feel like it's accelerating? Like from your perspective, it doesn't matter what I think. Yeah. I mean,
2: you got to remember I'm new to this space too, right? (laughs) I'm not an expert. I'm still learning. You know, I lean on guys like Brock I lean on, you know, members of the community to, I even educate and humanize myself, you know, of, of people of the trans community to, you know, whichever to, I can't put myself in their shoes. All I can speak to is that, you know, I take the little wins like Daryl Sutter saying he's okay with it. I never would have imagined 20 years ago that Daryl Sutter would say something like that. You know, you know, players are speaking up on it. It's not just no comment. You know, it's, it's, it's not, I don't want to go there. We're now seeing players actually oppose that and say, no, I'm on board with it and, and speak on it. You know, it's not this hush-hush taboo. You know, if you would have told me, hey, in 2023, you're going to have 21 of 22 players wear Pride jerseys around 32 rinks, that's a great step for me, right? We're not, we're not going to, we're not going to change the outliers or the people with, you know, bad, you know, bigoted views or whatever you want to call it, religious, whichever. We're not going to change those, and we're not trying to. So, you know, let's, let's, you know, we are moving in the right direction, and 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 I am personally happy with the progress. I think it shows we still have a lot to go, you know, and even from the teams, you know, I like that they're handling it and not, you know, protecting the players because it's important that they show that the San Jose Sharks, which are based in the Bay Area, which is one of the biggest communities for the LGBTQ plus from a business side, they can't be losing fans. They can't be ostracizing your group. So kudos to them and the Panthers that go ahead with it and say, no, this is, this is what we're doing. And this isn't what we stand for. So you know, when I see an organization stand up, I think that's great because they could just say, oh, well, we don't want to, yeah. we don't want to go there. Yeah. You know, let's let's have these conversations. Let's let's talk about it because it's not going anywhere, you know, and and, and there is queer fans in the NHL and I think we want to be bringing them in and not pushing them away.
0: Yeah. And then what I'm hearing is here, look, there's lots of speculation what the NHL, the Players Association might do. Maybe next year looks different with Pride Nights and special events, but it sounds like, why well, try and fix it? You know, it's, it's working relatively well. Continue to endorse, continue to support, and uh, do what the National Hockey League has done. All right, let's switch gears here, Bane. Bane Pattinger joining us on the podcast. NHL player agents, some uh, lofty players. I mean, you got the Ben Brothers, Tyson Berry. I mean, go down the list. So, before we hooked up here, we were talking about the trade. Tyson Berry from the Edmonton Oilers is part of the Matias Ekholm deal that come of course going to Edmonton you were in Edmonton when that deal went down and you know kind of the ink stained guys like me the insiders we don't really care about the players we just want to break the news <laughs> but you looked at firsthand, right with Barry and his family I mean The trade is a big deal, and there's upheaval that goes with that.
2: Yeah, we were sitting there. Actually, Mike Smith was over. They played Boston on a Monday night and then uh, Toronto on a Wednesday. So I was like, hey, I'll come in and, you know, a couple couple of good games for the oil. And then Tuesday, we're out for lunch, come back. Here's a funny one. We come back to the house. We're sitting around with Mike Smith, and Smitty's phone goes off, and he goes, oh, they got Ekholm. Great, great ad for the decor. (laughs) Who's going back? He goes, oh, you that's no. how he found out well kenny holland had called right before he's like kenny's calling me and i was like oh boy this isn't good you know if a gm calls for 24 hours and he's like you got Ekholm. he's like, great oh i'm going the other way but you know the one thing people don't realize is that you know yeah sure it's trade and it happens and that's why trade protection so important in a contract but your life can get flipped upside down mm-hmm. you know in a matter of you know 30 seconds i'm sure ray you know that you know, you get a phone call and it's five minutes later, David Boyle and Barry Trotz are calling saying, what number do you want to wear? Are you meeting us in Florida? You know, pack your bag or on a two week road trip, you know, then I'm driving Tyson to the airport, swinging by the rink to get his gear. There's not even goodbye to teammates. And it is, you know, it's, it's unexpected, you know, and I had, I was obviously there living it through them. I'm an emotional guy. I think I was probably more upset than Tyson, (laughs) but. (laughs) <laughs> you know, when you think you're building something in a city like that, you know, and running the power play, and then all of a sudden in 30 seconds you get traded. He's happy in Nashville now. The weather's a lot better, and he's settled. And they're pushing to get in the playoffs there. So it, it's part of it. You know, it's Tyson's fourth team in his career, but the other one was a trade in the off season. So this was just hurry up and go and you know, in the lineup the next night in South Florida playing for the Nashville Predators, it's deer didn't arrive until right before puck drop. And yeah, as you know, it, it can flip upside down pretty quick in a trade.
1: It's amazing how many things instantly go through your mind when you've been told you've been traded. Everybody always asks who for, like when you get traded, who'd I get traded for? Really? It doesn't yeah. matter. They don't want you anymore. So they could have traded you for a statue. Yeah, You got to go. And what I remember is packing and getting to the next city Bain, and not knowing when I opened up my suitcase, what I had. Yeah. Like I just packed it, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I had no idea what was in it. That was like placed.
2: place to You had to okay. join them for, you had to join them for a two week road trip. Yep. So he didn't even get to Nashville. Oh. So he was like, went to Florida, Chicago, LA, Vancouver. Like it was, you know, in limbo. It's not like you fly right to the city. They want you playing in the lineup. So, uh, you know, it was interesting. That's for sure.
1: What's, uh, what's the agent's business like, uh, when you're right in it, as opposed to on the fringes, when you decided to to move into it.
2: Like, what's the biggest thing that I didn't expect?
1: Yeah. Like, what have you learned? What have you gone? Oh my gosh. Like that was way different. (laughs) Sports psychology. Really?
2: Yeah. You need to just listen a lot of the time. You know, these these players have a lot of voices in their ear, whether it's coaches, management, you know, wives, family, whatever, dads, sometimes they phone and it's just, Hey, what am I doing here? You know, I've had conversations with clients about, you know, they play a bad night. It's about retirement. They play a great night. It's about extension. (laughs) You get a phone call and it's like, okay, what fire are we putting out today? You know, and that's, Sometimes I didn't realize the mental side of it of just, you know, almost like a calming influence, you know, yeah. and, and and helping people on the human side. I'm not going to teach Tyson Berry or Jamie Venn how to be better at hockey. Let's be honest here, you know, and they said, if I ever do that, then, you know, they'll be looking for a new agent. But, <laughs> uh, you know, like I do help them on the mental side of things, assisting on a concierge, assisting, hey, if you on a vacation. It's much more than just watching their games and, and, you know, critiquing it. And then like out here in Ontario, we just got through the OHL trade deadline. Right, so everyone forgets. We like I've got you know junior prospects. I've got minor hockey clients. You know, yeah. so we're in OHL playoffs start this week, and GTHL OHL Cup. You know, I'm going to a game tomorrow at 10:30 at Scotia Pond to watch a minor midget game. And it's you know you got to keep feeding the well and and <laughs> recruiting. And in a an hockey hotbed like Toronto, there's enough agents out here. We're just trying to find the right players. So it's uh, it's super competitive market, but it's fun. I mean, I get to be like you guys. I get to be around the game you know, and, you know, mix and mingle and, and have a great career by, by really not being on the ice. When I, when I got, when I retired at 18 playing junior B, I didn't think I'd be, <laughs> you know, on a podcast. Did they the have guy. a night
1: for, did they have a night for you? Did they retire? Oh, no don't no, no. <laughs>
2: still up there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Awesome stuff. Well, you're one of the good ones, Boehner. Thanks for doing this today. Yeah, Thanks for being so honest. One quick one. I remember from my from the World Juniors that you guys are
2: World Championships that we've done together. One of my scariest moments at Hockey Canada. I think it was 2017. We came out for warm-ups versus the quarterfinals. You'll remember this one, Ray. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I stand on the bench and Ray looks at me and goes, there's a lot of red in the building tonight. And I was like, yeah, it's a home game. We're World Juniors. And I look, checks are in red and we're in red. And I go, Oh no! <laughs> you guys. I ran back into the locker room and I checked with our equipment manager. We were supposed to be white. So I'm like, oh boy. So I've got like everyone, you know, blowing down my neck on it. <laughs> this, like, I'm a team service guy, and we're both wearing red for warm up. Like, then <laughs> you know, we had players go in the back, and they said, do we have to switch? Can we just switch to just white jerseys and like white socks? I'm like, no, we have to switch the entire thing. This is a quarter final of the World Juniors. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That was uh, a tense game that I watched with the video coach in the battles of the Bell Center. If so we lost that one, and it was my fault for distraction, <laughs> I may have been uh, looking
0: for new work. <laughs> <laughs> awesome stuff, Bane! Thanks as always for joining us, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. And as we do each week, we raise a glass to the Fine Chronicle series Canadian Club Whiskey to Bane Pettinger for joining us today, presented by our friend friends at Canadian Club. It is the final chronicle series forty-five year old release is now available everywhere. You know, as I wrapped up with Bane, Ray, I mean he is, he's just he's one of the good guys. We've had the privilege mm-hmm. of, of getting to know Bane, you know, pre him coming out, right? You know, he, he patrolled as he told the story you know, how many dressing rooms and benches and did all of the work as a services manager for, you know, the many international teams that Canada has participated in on the international level. I mean, so we know him personally. He's a good guy. And it makes sense to me that he'd be a good agent, but, you know, to weigh into what's a real delicate situation, right? Handled, you know, or mishandled by the NHL, by the Players Association, et cetera. I like the way that he is embracing it and and taking us more to the positive, as opposed to you know everybody getting kind of bogged down by the negative and the few that just don't choose to participate.
1: But I but I think the fact that you know Bane's taking you know a, a positive outlook drags really goes back to what you said first about him. Is when we first got to know him, like that's Bane. Like that's, that's Bane. Yeah, you know, like there's he's a super nice guy to be around. He's always got. The energy you saw and heard from him is the energy that he has. Mm-hmm. And you know, I when when he said he came out two and a half years ago, I'm like, wow, it's been two and a half years already. Yeah. yeah. I remember the articles that he did and one the first one with Pierre Lebrun and how nervous he was. And yet I, I guess maybe it's it's the positive steps that are there is that did those of us that knew him did did that even like the first thing he did was pick up your phone and say, hey, awesome, Bain, hope you're great. And, you know, like just was, it was a non-issue. And so how he's dealing with the frustrations or disappointments uh, of the players opting out is to look at, as he said, 95 plus percent that are that are supportive of it. And that's really the way it, it needs to be. All right, time
0: for a visit with Chris Abbott, a presentation of Botano.ca, now available in Ontario. Remember, Botano says the game starts now. Ray is joining us, Chris. He has all morning here in episode 51 from his beautiful hotel room in Vegas. He's there for the Oilers. He's there for the Vegas Golden Knights. So the hockey is the reason he's there. But come on. I mean, there might be some hard playing a little bit of love it. blackjack shenanigans right
3: up I, here I I love yeah. Blackjack.
1: yeah but i love blackjack. abs are you a blackjack guy
3: <laughs> i was i was so you know how like people will say like oh i finished the internet like i've there's nothing left for me to, that's how i feel about blackjack <laughs> i feel like i've played every hand there is to have in blackjack i feel like i've won every hand there is to have in blackjack i feel like i've lost every conceivable way there is so I do enjoy it. I did get away from it a bit. Started playing more poker variation table games, which have terrible odds, by the way. Like yeah. Like the Texas, Hold'em, Mississippi Stud. I really like craps, too. Craps is a lot of fun, but it can get expensive fast. Yeah. But blackjack's a good way to spend some time, especially if you're with some buddies.
1: I don't really... I can't quite catch up to cat, craps. Me neither. I can't... It's like... So we were on a flight once from Toronto to LA, and... It was at the all-star break and a bunch of guys were going to Vegas. So Eddie Olchek took the bottom of, uh, you know, those cardboard boxes of like they put sodas or beers, you know, like the, the transport boxes. Yeah. He, he got Sharpie and made a craps table on there. I don't, he got two straws and made the, the hook thing, whatever Uh, that's (laughs) called. And (laughs) he, of course he always had dice and he was teaching us how to play. And for four minutes, I had it, and now it's gone. But those craps looks like everybody's having so much fun. They yeah, look like yeah. you it's, know, and br- blackjack's a grind, man. You watch a dealer go two, four, three, two, six. You can't even add it up, and you're like, what's going on? And then they just take <laughs> all your chips away, 19, and you're like, that'll just happen there. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> amazing.
3: First of all, Ed Olchek sounds like my kind of guy. Oh, so yeah, love it. That. Horses, Horses, craps, Eddie's your guy. Um the craps is fun you know here's the thing if you're ever in a casino and you go past the craps table and it's a little bit slow the dealers are usually the best dealers in the casino because it is a tough game but they will tell you how to play they will teach you as you go i st- i've played dozens of times but i still have to ask like what do i do how much do i put here and they're really good for that oh see there you go
0: that's an interesting tip i will have to try it next time i'm in vegas uh busy weekend but a good one speaking of betting and gambling which is the primary reason for the segment how about saturday abs in the national hockey league and the structure of the schedule which i mean in our world doesn't get any better
3: does it man it was great i wish they do it every weekend i think uh games you know eastern time started by like one two four five seven eight ten ten thirty something something like that anyway there was games starting all the time and if you want to increase gambling integration with your sport that's the way to do it it's why march madness is so popular i had a buddy of mine write me he's like i'm not moving from the couch today Mm -hmm. and i watched games that i wouldn't normally watch and teams that i wouldn't normally watch because i was kind of in that mode and it was a great way to spend my saturday so i mean i don't know who we need to lobby i think there was (laughs) 15 games right i think almost everyone played But why not do that with your saturday starts i mean you can't if everyone starts at 7 p.m if there's 10 games at 7 p.m you can't watch them all but when it's staggered you watch, yeah. You bet a little bit, and by the end of the night, I was back at the blackjack table because I had had a pretty good day at the at the hockey betting.
0: All right, uh, why don't we look at odds before we wrap up and let you go? By the way, we'll talk about opening day for Major League Baseball later in the week on, oh, yeah. on Thursday. That makes sense. One thing that kind of has jumped out of you, Chris Abbott, is the Western Conference odds and who's going to come out of the NHL's West. Um, who is it? Colorado. Is Edmonton the mix LA? Who's in that? Who's in that? Well, money?
3: The, yeah, the odds say Colorado's the favorite. And I suppose, you know, you, you defer to the champ and it has a lot to do with the money that's committed on them yeah. to this point as well. But the way I'm looking at the odds to come out of the West, to go to Stanley Cup final, Colorado plus 275, Edmonton plus 325, Dallas 5-1, to one, Vegas 5-1. to one. The Kings at 9-1. to one. They made me money on the weekend. Yeah. And consequently, I lost on Edmonton. So, Uh, I I don't know if we're like those are numbers like plus 275 plus 325 that's like you're ordaining them I think that's a little bit short when you have a team out there like LA even Seattle who's been on a hot streak at at 9 and 11 to Mm 1 there seems to be to be some long odds there now you guys are the NHL experts am I just you know discounting the fact that maybe Colorado is is saving it like the you know the old Tampa Bay trick or whatever I I don't know it seems a little short to me no
1: I'm with you I But
3: here's, here's part of the issue I
1: have with this stuff is that, you know, I, I see all these teams up live and it's really, you know, interesting when you see them live all the time and not as opposed, as opposed to just on TV. A lot of times I can't tell the difference between one team and another. It depends on the day you get them. My point is that trying to have any confidence in who you think is coming out is really difficult Mm -hmm. because there's, the teams are so packed together. If your goalie has a tough week, you're losing yeah. If, you know if your power play falls asleep for four games done finished it's like it's really i think this year feels more uncertain yeah in in the west i mean it seems like boston's going to win the east but we know how that goes that doesn't always work either no but the west seems like it might be time to take a, a poke at a longer rod i think well here's here's the thing
3: boston to come out of the east is plus 150 colorado plus 275 okay it's a little bit of a gap but you know, we think, okay, Boston for sure. We definitely don't think Colorado for sure. No. So if I'm reading the tea leaves on what Ray Ferraro is telling me right now, I'm putting some down on, on the Los Angeles Kings. I'm putting some down, I don't know, on the Minnesota Wild. Even, you know, Vegas at five to one is an interesting one. Sure. They looked pretty good the other night in Edmonton. So I'm looking forward to watching that game, Ray, that, that you guys are in Vegas for. Yeah. I want to see how this plays out. Yeah. Well, Lots to look you know, forward I'll give to. you
1: one thing about Colorado. What do you know about Alexander Georgiev in the playoffs?
3: He, don't know any not of, much. He might no. be great, yeah, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think Darcy Kemper was going to get him there last year. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah but you also uh, that,
1: but... you had a different Avalanche team last year. You did. Yeah. You For were sure. healthier. He you face. were, you know, yeah. every it was, and it felt different. Right now, I look at the record. I don't know if you guys think the same, and I'm like, wow, they're they're better than I thought. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I keep thinking about the injuries and. Oh gee, they must. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. They they got winning in different ways again. too, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah,
0: yeah, Logging things up. You know, not afraid to button it down defensively. So
3: all right, yeah. I think one.
1: Let
0: me
3: let me wrap that up <laughs> yeah. by saying, yeah, with odds that short for all the teams, really, there's no super long shot. Yeah, maybe you're better off betting game by game or series by series. Maybe that's a better yeah. play. We often talk about the futures, but sometimes betting game by game, much like at the casino blackjack, <laughs> it's one to one. It's one to one. Or you play the long shot poker games where you're looking for the odds, sometimes one-to-one in the short term. All right, buddy. Thanks for
0: doing this. And uh, as I said earlier, Thursday, we'll drill down on opening day in baseball.
3: Ah, my Blue Jays. Yeah. No home run jacket. Taking it serious. John (laughs) Schneider and the Gritty Boys. Let's see what happens.
0: All right, time for Ask Rain Riggs. Anything. Reminder, you can send us your questions on Twitter, Instagram, at Rain Driggs, or on our website, raindriggs.com. And each week, we're going to pick the the question or questions that appeal to us most, and we'll send you some Rain Riggs merchandise, some great shirts now in stock, including some Nike golf shirts, thanks to our good friends at Canadian Club Whiskey for helping out with that. So, Instagram we go, Ray, and this one is from Anthony. How do non-playoff teams maintain that competitive edge with less than 10, 15 games to go until the end of the season?
1: Because they're playing for their jobs. A lot of guys are are playing to stay in the league. You like where you are in most cases, so you want to stay. If you're out of the playoffs, you know that there's changes made in the offseason, and you don't want to be one of them. Right. Uh, So it's actually pretty easy Where the, where the real challenge is, is if you're going to practice and you're, you're kind of putting in time, really, Mm, you know what I mean? Like use of the playoff race isn't there, but it's not hard to play for when there's so much on the line.
0: Roger Watson has a question, Ray. Is it illegal for someone to hit someone carrying the puck coming from around behind the net because you never see it? Well, the answer is no, it's not illegal. And you remember Ken Hitchcock, I think, used to call it Death Valley. I assume that's what Roger is describing, right? When Buddy comes from behind the net and just gets plowed.
1: Well, I'll, I'll tell you that the last example of the scariest, most frightening player to do it was Rafi Torres. Man. And Rafi would come off his coverage of the point man. And some guy would be coming around the back of the net with <laughs> 10 feet free of ice. Or Brutal. Free feet of ice. Think he's got a rap attempt. And here comes this 220 pound freight train. And they basically, the player safety basically legislated that out of the game by suspending Torres multiple times mm-hmm. until he stopped doing it. And so that's Drake's, to me, that it's a great question because I've been asked that a couple of times this week after Ken Johnson did his latest Michigan. Yeah. Why doesn't somebody come down and just run them over coming around the back of the net? And I say, because you can't anymore. No, no. So that's my point with player safety discipline. By enforcing the rules harshly, Mm -hmm. you can legislate stuff out that you don't want in the game. Right, right. Okay, a quirky one from
0: uh, Gary from the website, rainegregs.com. He's talking about switching hands, right? For face offs and things it, like that, plays that maybe you want to make creatively. So, I'm, I'm, he's got a couple of questions. I'm only going to ask the one here. Do you ever think there will be, or would you like to see a switch
1: shooting hockey player? Oh, I think, <laughs> I think everybody would love to be able to do it. For, first of all, this is with the impossibility to it. That means you have to have a straight stick. Right, right, right. Because if you got a left-handed curb stick and you try yeah. to do anything right-handed, no chance. Yeah. But quite frankly, I mean, it's not really, well, it's possible, but why don't you see more switch hitters in baseball? Because it's hard enough to do it one <laughs> way. <laughs> that one just, It just jumped off the page for me
0: today, right? When I'm perusing all the Asker and Greg's questions, I'm like, all right. I mean, Ray's a baseball aficionado. He's, you know... Do you know when you used skills to be able to do this?
1: Greg, <laughs> you'll remember this. Our older listeners will remember Yvonne Cornwhite. Oh, yeah. With the Canadians, he could come down and shift hands and shoot. His stick was as straight as an arrow. But, man, it was cool to see. Well, and Gary acknowledges this. He says, you know, when, when he played,
0: he had a straighter stick than usual. So, obviously, the tools of the trade are key in this. Austin on Instagram, Ray, wants to know, are you still doing your ice shower every morning? Because Austin says... He can't do the full three minutes. It's too.
1: Oh, come on. You can't, so Austin. I just <laughs> got out of the shower. I just finished. I uh, actually, Dan Murphy, my good buddy from Sportsnet and the yeah. Canucks broadcast, said he tried it the other day. He got about 30 seconds in. I'm like, you don't, like, it's not, it is hard, but you don't have to go, you don't have to start at the coldest part. Right. Like the coldest thing, your shower goes, start a little colder and work your way up. By the time I get to a minute and a half, I can stand in there for ten minutes. Like you're Good for you, honestly. Like you just you get your body gets acclimatized. I I love yeah. it. Yeah, I love it. You can do it, man. Dive in. Okay, you will
0: be thrilled with this. Last question goes to our pal Brian Mudrick. Oh come on, he's got another one. I know it's like a weekly occurrence. At Muddy Lives here, that's where you can catch Brian Mudrick on Instagram. Ray, would you rather smash a two hundred and sixty yard drive or drain a thirty? foot putt.
1: Oh, 30 foot putt. Every time. I'm with you. I can I can hit the ball down the middle of the fairway regularly enough. That's like one of my strengths. Mm-hmm. I putt. I think I've told you this before. If you use three putting grips in the same round, is that bad? Man, I, <laughs> I, you're old. asking the right guy because I do it <laughs> all the time. I have switched to the claw and I've gotten some really great success with that. Really,
0: That's my go-to. I, I
1: love it. Yeah. Well, I love it. I love it when it works. But yeah. as for the question, buddy, 30-foot putt every time. Yeah, I'm with you. Assuming it's for eagle or, or birdie, right? I'll take I mean, a thirty. If you make a 30-footer for par, you're stealing one from the course. So Pretty OP.
0: good. Yeah, you're high five and leaving that green, yeah. no question. All right, some good stuff on Ask Green Briggs Anything? I have to award some merchandise. Do mm-hmm. you want to go with Gary off the website for one, at least? That was the question about the switch hitting occupier. Sure, why not? Because it's on um, and yeah. we can ne- we can never give Muddy a shirt. I don't think no. that's possible. No, right? well, uh, no. What was the oh the other one was from Roger Watson, right? The hit
1: from Death Valley. Oh, behind the yeah. net, the Raffi Torres yes. play, right? And if you okay. and Roger, if you want to look at some old hits, just dial up Raffi Torres, and you will see some <laughs> hellacious <laughs> hits coming around the back of the net. All right, there you go. Ask Griggs
0: anything. Well, we kind of talked about this in Headlines, Rays we wrap up episode 51 of the Rain Dregs podcast. And that's the fact that you're in Vegas for the Oiters and the Golden Knights. So I'm jealous on that front because I expect it's going to be a fun game to be a part of. But also jealous because, as you acknowledged with Chris Abbott, you get some gambling time. And you're a guy who doesn't mind the blackjack
1: table, right? You enjoy yeah. that sort of recreation. I, I do. I, like to- I do. So... I came back here Sunday morning. Cammy and the kids came on Friday. So we were in Phoenix last week and it's spring break and then they came yeah, here. Yeah. I had to go to Pittsburgh. So Friday night they went to a WWE wrestling show. Oh, the boys must have loved it. Loved it. Cam said when they got back they were wrestling on the beds. And <laughs> Riley's 16, so he was pitching his 13-year-old brother from bed to <laughs> bed. And so that was Friday. Saturday they went to Gonzaga and UConn uh, basketball game, final eight. So it wasn't it was a good a game. UConn just blew them out. And then we went, we got to go to a show on Sunday. And so they left Monday morning and I, I wasn't really focused on the gambling at all. Cause you know, I came back and we had a busy day. And so then last night I was going for dinner and I was like, I'll stop at the blackjack table for a little bit. Had a couple hundred bucks with me and turned it into multiples of it in rather <laughs> short order. And I did something I never would have done before, Drakes. I walked okay. away. Good for you. I walked away. Now I still have the cash. I I'm was a little just worried about today. I'm a little worried. Or,
0: or you you kept the chips and didn't officially catch up. No, cash that's, bad, that's, news. that's, that's a bad, bad news. That's bad
1: news. That's bad strategy. I've done that before, <laughs> uh-huh. and it's too easy by. to walk by <laughs> and go, "Oh, I could just oh, yeah. throw a few chips, but I got cash. It's no good." And yeah, so, like well, you know, you got a wasting away. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> So I'm, uh, no, it, it's sitting, uh, you know, it, I, I do worry about post game tonight. Okay. You know, I like, into it. Oh, gee, I got a half an hour here or an hour. Yeah, I, I could just, you know, Have Steve Levy's here cards. doing the game. Levy's oh. doing the game with me All right. and he loves to play blackjack. Yes, so, he does. So we could, we could probably find a, a table. All right, buddy. Well, you enjoy that and save travels the rest of the way. Yep. You betcha we're uh game today, home tomorrow and, uh, get a couple of days at home golf on thursday 9 13 on the teeth oh, good right
0: for you can't wait okay beautiful 9 13 all right okay well we'll have to work podcast around oh hey i forgot we'll we sure got this podcast
1: thing we'll do it early we'll do yeah it early. i know normally
0: on thursdays okay we'll get it we'll get all right speaking of how about a quick shout out to our partners Right, who make the podcast possible our title sponsor canadian club whiskey who ask every week are you over beer by batano.ca now available in ontario remember batano says the game starts now and by doer use code RNDPants and you will save 15 percent off everything at doer.ca episode 51 of the Brain rigs podcast thanks to bane pettinger for stopping by until thursday when ray is playing golf stay safe everybody